0: Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into The Mystical Underground.
1: Welcome to The Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular uh, posts. And where you can find out about our books. Among them are The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground, Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities, Aliens in the Backyard, and The Seven Secrets of Synchronicity, among many others. Trisha's latest novel is White Crows. Rob's latest book is Breathe, a master diver's survival survival tales,
2: co authored with
1: Rick Bedowa.
2: Uh, Julia Gordon Bramer is a professional tarot card reader, Sylvia Plath scholar, award winning writer and poet, and former professor for the graduate writing program at Lindenwood University. She's written extensively on the life of the poet and novelist Sylvia Plath, and her new book is called Tarot Life Less- Lessons Living Wisdom from the Major Arcana. Uh, tarot Life Lessons is a fascinating book, and it's a collection of real life stories lifted from the journals, her journals. And with each story is explored through the meaning of one of the 22 major arcana cards of the Tarot, based on the author's more than 44 years of experience as a Tarot card reader. The book peeks into client readings to show how each card tells a story and how it only takes a small amount of familiarity to decipher a world full of meaning in the cards. Finally, it shows how to use the Tarot to grow your strengths, identify weaknesses, conquer problems, and move on from painful situations. Welcome, Julia. It's a
1: real Welcome. pleasure. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So how did you become a professional tarot card reader? <laughs>
3: um, how how I became, well, the story of how I became a, a, a tarot card reader is the first story that opens mm-hmm. my book, Tarot Life Lessons. Mm-hmm. But a professional um, that happened in graduate school so um when I was I started graduate school in 2007 getting my MFA in creative writing poetry and fiction and um and it was then that uh, people kept you know I would bring my cards to classes and I always said that having my tarot cards made me a great icebreaker at parties <laughs> and I, w- I wasn't always, uh, great with the small talk, and so if I said you want a tarot card reading, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, people love it was to talk fun. about themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, and and it was a way to understand others, and and really to understand if I even liked other people, <laughs> you know, to to see them in their cards, and so I, I I would bring them into class, and I would do them for my fellow students in between class, and I had this one professor, uh, one professor who really thought, you know, he said you should do this professionally. And he brought me into a number of his other classes to read for his classes. Oh, wow. And um, and then I would do like the holiday Christmas parties. And then my friends started saying, come to my party, come to my reception, you know, my whatever. And it got to the point that it was so time consuming that I knew I had to start charging. Wow. So that was how I became professional. Wow. Um and you know, and it started part time while I was also teaching after I had graduated. And but then it just got to the point that it snowballed, and and it was more in demand, and and a better use of my time, and a and a more joyful use of my time than teaching. Certainly, better compensating than teaching too. Oh, unfortunately. Right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So. Well, well, we did, I want to show the cards, Rob. Okay, yeah. We drew six cards to see how today's thing would go. <laughs> uh-huh, so, great. Okay, here's the first one. Okay, and, okay. That, and that, uh, that's the, the motherpiece
3: deck, the, the round deck there. It's yeah, the, okay. the troll, of
2: the cloisters.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Okay, that's seven of pentacles. Okay, ten of pentacles. Can you see it? Uh, uh, yeah. You got it okay. a little too
1: close. Try to hold it a little it? Further, okay. further back, yeah.
2: Ten of Cups. Yeah. Nice. Okay, Page of Wands. Okay. Eight of Cups. Uh-huh. And the Seven of Swords. Okay. And what All I right. think, my my take on that, I, I also wrote a tarot book called Power Tarot, which was about spreads. Uh-huh. So to me, the Seven of Swords is about we we were fortunate enough to get you as a guest through your publisher's um, publicist, Gail Torr. Right. So it's like we
3: came in the back door. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. But yeah, what Gail your take? is a force, by the oh, way. She's, she's great. incredible. <laughs> um, she's terrific. Yeah. So I mean, so Seven of Swords to me, that's being in the right place at the right time. Uh-huh. It's seizing the day. Uh so, so it would. It would say that uh yeah, maybe, maybe you're a little lucky to get me. Maybe this is the right <laughs> time to get me, um, which is exciting to think about. Those tens, you know, ten of Those pentacles and ten and ten of cups. Yeah, all the blessings around right. it. So love that. Uh Seven of Pentacles is is putting in the hard work to reap the mm-hmm. rewards later. Um, what was it? A page of uh, uh wands? Where'd it go? wait a minute i gotta i took a picture of this fortunately
2: (laughs) okay let's see here oh
3: come on (laughs) okay it was yeah the page of wands okay yeah i mean that's just fun Mm -hmm. yeah that's fun fun lively energy so what's your take on the eight of cups the eight of cups I think of as putting the past behind you, going okay. to greener pastures, you know, there's always like green in the distance uh-huh. that the person is heading for. And the cups in the foreground usually feel kind of sad. So it's sort of like a, yeah, I'm done with that, you know, and moving on. That That's a great card for like how I like to think of something like COVID, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. done with COVID. <laughs> let's <laughs> move on. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's
1: good. interesting. Okay. So I so Julia, I think that uh, as a tarot reader, you uh, you have access to you can have access to all kinds of different uh, types of people that you would normally oh, yeah. come across, and that's what's so interesting about your book because you get right into the readings and yeah. the, the different. Uh, uh situations and people's lives and uh people uh like i said you had never meet like uh the uh the the wealthy nigerian woman that story was very interesting
2: <laughs> i love the one yeah, about the two you.
3: latina women
2: the <laughs> in the devil
3: <laughs> oh uh-huh <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah they they were yeah the gold diggers <laughs> yes they were
2: they were they were real characters
3: yeah yeah and 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 what i hope is that with all of these people even if their morals are sort of questionable mm-hmm. like the gold diggers um you know i i hope that you'll find a way like i did to love them and and to understand where they come from and what makes right. them who they are yeah because i i think there's when I wrote this book, which I, I ri- originally it was all, you know, sort of blog and diary entries. My my working title was called The Tarot Diaries when I put uh-huh. this together. And, uh, and so initially it wasn't for anyone but me. And then when I knew, when I assembled it and I knew it would be a book, I, I did want it to have sort of a a higher purpose of oneness, uh-huh. that these are universal experiences. And, and if we haven't had these experiences personally, we know somebody who has. Or, you know, we've all kind of seen it in real right. life. I, I don't think there's anything that isn't beyond, I mean, certainly, certainly some of these stories are surprising, but we've all experienced at least someone who has had the death of a child, uh-huh. say. Or, um, or, you know, never found love, or was, you know, taken by a scam artist, you know, yeah. all of these stories are in there.
2: Tell us about your, um, your fascination with Sylvia Plath. I found that really
4: interesting.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, you know, I, I, First found her when I was 16.
4: Uh-huh.
3: And uh, that was when I w- read The Bell Jar. And interestingly, you know, it's always been for me, even, even with The Bell Jar being a novel, it's always been her poetry that spoke to me. And mm-hmm. in her copy, uh, the copy that I had of The Bell Jar was a poem that she wrote at the back that she wrote at just 19 years old called right. Mad Girl's Love Song. and uh, And it's kind of People don't really know that poem. It's not one of her most famous ones because it was something she wrote in her youth. But uh, her whole life was youth, really. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, really. I mean, ended at thirty. You know what I mean? (laughs) She wrote it. She wrote it at nineteen. And uh, and I was always rather captivated by Mad Girl's Love Song. Um, I knew I had some things in common with her like weird things like you know some of it was just sort of coincidental perhaps if you believe in co- coincidences which I don't. <laughs> yeah right so you know my grandmother's name was Sylvia. Um, My mother was British and she married an American. She came from Britain to America. Sylvia was American. She went to Britain and married a Brit. So we had sort of that, I I Uh call it it my Lincoln-Kennedy coincidence, if you know the Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we do. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and so, um, you know, there were things like um, her father died when she was eight and he had lost his left leg. My grandfather died when I was eight and he had lost his left wow. leg. That you know, it's just sort of weird little things. Uh-huh. Um, when you line our names up, they sort of line in the same way. You know, I, I, I've i done it all. I've worked it all out with like <laughs> numerologists and stuff. Um, so <clears throat> there's some fun things there. But, you know, the Pleth stuff didn't really gel until graduate school. When I was gosh, in my early 40s, I guess, or early to mid 40s. And um, right around 2007, when I went to grad school, and I had a, a semester end project that I, I had to design on my own in, in poetry class. And, and, you know, everybody was sort of like doing a an analysis of, you know, uh-huh. somebody's poem or something like that. And I went up to my professor and I said, you know, after reading *Ariel*, which is Sylvia Plath's uh, yeah. sort of ultimate work uh, in poetry, I said, "After reading *Ariel*, I just can't get over all the tarot imagery." And uh, and I said, "Can you tell me more about that?" And he goes, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> and I
4: said, "And I <laughs> said, funny. look."
3: And I said, "Here's you know, here's the Knight of Swords. Here's the Empress. Here's the Death card. Here's the and and, and I start showing him." And he's like, mind blown, you know, and and he, and he says, make that your semester end project, would you? And, and, and it became my entire life project. (laughs) It became much bigger than just that. And essentially... I realized that all of the poems in Ariel were in this perfect tarot card Mm -hmm. sequence. She did the major arcana and then she did the minor ranks and then she did the court cards. And then she has four remaining poems, which correspond with the suits with, you know, Uh. and so, and so I was, I, I identified all of this as my semester end project, and then I got much deeper down the rabbit hole. And you know, Pleth had tarot cards of her own, which she refers to in her poem "Daddy" when she says, I "With my gypsy ancestress yeah. and my weird luck and uh-huh. my tarot pack and my tarot pack, <laughs> yeah." And and so tarot, of course, being another name mm-hmm. for tarot, and and so I um, was just enamored and and as i got into these poems and what i realized was you know everybody for 50 years has been reading her only as drama and suicide and depression and when you understand how to align them with the tarot cards it opens up to entirely different meanings and she was a genius genius so it's kind of become what's that
1: uh, do you think she did that consciously, or was it? Unconscious? I believe
3: I believe she did it very consciously because oh. she was. She and her husband were active practitioners in mysticism. And her husband, Ted Hughes, he's been widely written for structuring his poems on Kabbalah and and weaving in alchemy. And and she did the same thing, but nobody thought to look at her work. He's been been studied and there have been countless biographies. And he wrote his own called Shakespeare and the Goddess of Complete Being about how he wove in all this stuff to his work. And he even said in that book that Plath did it, but nobody has seen it. Um, hmm. which is just crazy to me. I think but part I, of that th- is the era, you know? Yeah, and I, I think you have to be both a Sylvia Plath scholar right. and a tarot scholar to see it, and that's me, you know? And so <laughs> I, I feel that, you know, she chose me or God blessed me or wh- however you want to look at it. I feel like the luckiest person in the world. Now, I have been attacked by academia um they do not like me yeah i mean i'm i'm not so i'm not a phd i i have an mfa but that's not good enough in, you know in their camp and so um so i'm not a phd and i'm not kind of uh, what i've really learned is phd means you're brainwashed and you're taught there is one <laughs> thing you know and they do not know how to think outside yeah, their their world yeah. so um so it, it has been a fight, and for a long time I was really heartbroken that I was not kind of let into their camp, and they were kind of sort of quietly unfriending me on Facebook, and, oh, God. You know, not wanting anything oh, to God. do with me. Um, but, but I've learned, you know, in my later years, and, and I guess I had to have a little heartbreak, and I had to get away from them and stop trying to get their validation, that um, that's not where my audience is, they're yeah. not my tribe. Do you and, think- and so, yeah.
1: Yeah, do you think you have a, any past life connection with uh, Sylvia?
3: You know, I don't think I was her. Like, I, I have people yeah. who yeah. said, "Do you think you were PLEF?" But here's the thing: um, I think she chose me, mm. and 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 I'll tell you one: th- I I have and I, and I'm traveling right now, so I'm talking to you from a hotel room. So unfortunately, <laughs> I cannot hold this for you. But I have pictures on my Instagram and on my um, Twitter. Um, I became the owner of a hermetic caduceus that Sylvia Plath herself carved out of wood with her own big initials SP on it. She did it in her teens at a summer camp. And it's got all these alchemical symbols. It's basically, if you don't know what a caduceus is, it's like a magic wand that Uh she carved out of a a pretty wood. And um, Dr. Richard Larson, who is an elderly man now, he has been a family friend to the Platts. Um, he was very close with Aurelia. He knew Platts, knows Platts, well, knew Platts' br- brother, uh, Warren. He um, And he inherited and was given a lot of items from Sylvia's estate, you know, that, that didn't go into the museums and the archives. And... So he oh, he's owned this Caduceus for many many years, and it's been studied, and it's been the subject of of theses and and um, and I was contacted by a friend of his, a mutual friend, and she said um, that he was looking to put it in the hands of someone who would truly appreciate wow. it, <laughs> not not just someone who loved pleth, but right. someone who got the mysticism, uh. and so it came to me um the summer before last and like where do you have it <laughs> i keep it in a safe it's yeah, it's very it you know imagine um her tarot cards were auctioned off in 2020 for um two hundred thousand dollars wow and oh. they were they were just what she owned she didn't make those <laughs> yeah, so right. so this incredible. is I don't yeah, even yes. know what the value of this could be but it's huge and so right. it has to be locked up it's not something I can just keep on my desk you know yeah. <laughs> well, you should I, um, you, you well, should I'm, tell yeah. you should tell
1: the you should tell the academia uh, uh, <laughs> people about what you have
3: there oh they know they, oh, know. they know i mean okay. i have i've been very public about it and i okay. have i've had pictures holding it on, right. on my facebook right. and instagram and yeah okay. they know all about it um, yeah. i'm sure Julie- they I'm sure they're furious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, they probably just think you're weird.
3: <laughs> oh, I know, I know they think I'm weird. Yeah. And and I know they don't think I'm a serious right. scholar, you know. Yeah. And it's all about being very serious, you know. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> Tell me, why was Ted Hughes so hated after her death?
3: Well, so so I mean, you know, toward the end of their marriage, she really yeah. hated him. You know, know he he was he was not faithful to her. Mm. Um, she gave her life to him. And that's the thing, you know, she was the most devoted student. um, When I say student, and that's another thing, like with with the mysticism, he -hmm. gave her exercises in mysticism. This is all in her journals and letters. And Mm. again, people don't see it. You know, she wrote that she wanted to master tarot card reading. She wanted to master astrology. She wanted to be like, like W.B. Yates and his wife right. Georgie and do the automatic writing. She wrote about all of this. You know, she's been photographed with her crystal balls. It's crazy that people are not that you know won't take yeah. this seriously she she talked about in in the in the end days you know doing these witchy bonfires and putting in uh her, her husband's fingernail clippings and, <laughs> and hair you know to I mean you know this is really yeah. kind of getting into black magic kind of stuff a little bit <laughs> yeah um so uh, there's a, a friend of, of Plath and Hughes's, Al Alvarez, he was an editor for the London Times, and he wrote a pretty famous article called Did Black Magic Kill Sylvia Plath? Oh, interesting. And and I actually have a theory, not black magic, but I think Kabbalah, because be. some of the rules of Kabbalah, you have to be over 40 and both her and Ted Hughes were in their thirties, mm-hmm. or actually, I'm sorry, in the well, she was in her twenties, and he was um, four years older. So they were both breaking that rule. You're also supposed to be male, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> and the punishment for studying Kabbalah, breaking those rules, is madness. Huh. So. Kind of interesting, right? And they were pretty deep into it. And there's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of books. There's a lot, you know, Hmm. stuff they read in their libraries. Um, In my forthcoming book with the same publisher, with Inner Traditions slash Destiny Books, I have a book coming out in May called The Occult Sylvia Plath. That'll be in May 2024. And that was originally supposed to be an introduction to my first book on Uh Plath. I've got... Three published books on Plath right now. And and, um, my working title was The Magician's Girl because she had a a line uh, in The Bee Meeting that says, uh, the poem, The Bee Meeting, says, I am the magician's girl, I do not flinch. And, you know, the the magician's girl, it's sort of like the magician's apprentice Uh who... Studies from her her mentor and becomes so powerful and the power becomes a little out of control if you know that story. Uh, There's a great Disney movie where Mickey does this (laughs) and uh, and and the brooms start you know running away and and, and it all becomes yeah. But uh, I I believe her power got even out of her own control. Mm -hmm. Um, It's my goal to redeem Plath. To get her away from her hysterical, right. crazy image that people insist on holding, or mm-hmm. I think I think it's a really sexist view, and yeah. I think we're finally in a time that we can look at her and say, "Whoa, this woman had brains on top of brains, <laughs> you know, and she was a genius genius, and and so." That's what I want people to understand about Plath. Lover or hater, you don't have to like her poetry, but look at what she did. Look at what she was capable of. People do not understand this, and uh, and so I want to redeem her for that. Um, That's great. Why you know what the calling is? I don't know. I you know I really don't know. It just it speaks to me. When did Hughes die? Uh, in the late '90s, I, I late think 90s. it was okay. 1998. Yeah, yeah. I really regret that I didn't find this work earlier, so that I could have gone and met him. Yeah. But uh, but my husband has said, "Oh, you know, he was such a rogue. He probably wouldn't have made a move on you." <laughs> you <laughs> know, <laughs> I think there's, there's some truth to that. He had yeah, a that's lot of true. girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of girlfriends, especially very young. And <laughs> mm. yeah. Now, do you yeah. think do you think
2: Plath has been reincarnated? Do you get any sense
3: of that? You know, I I think she speaks to me and I know Uh she's spoken to me through the work. And I even talk about that in uh, if you want to look up the introduction to my first book, which was Fixed Stars Govern a Life Decoding Sylvia Plath. um, That book is no longer in print, um, although I sell PDFs of it for just five dollars. But the introduction I put up for free on academia.edu. And, uh, and so you can read about how I came through, you know, how, how the process was for me to, to decode Uh these poems. And there was one point where I got to um, poem number 14, and uh I'm sorry, poem number 15, excuse me. It uh, you know, because we always start from zero, the fourth yeah, right. card in the major arcana, so it gets a little screwy. Um, so I was at the 15th poem and um which was Ariel, and I hmm. started to come across all of this Alistair Crowley kind okay. of poem, is like she had she had essentially rewritten an Alistair Crowley poem. Um she had taken I, I should say, you know, he was a very poetic writer. It's kind of a prayer that he wrote. Mm-hmm. But but here's the thing that really freaked me out. It mm-hmm. it was to the great beast six six six, and it was oh, wow. and, and that and that scared me because I have a, a background, I, a Christian background. I grew up in the Episcopal Church. Um, For many years, I I studied Bible study, you know, Um, as I got older, I got into things like A Course in Miracles, but I have never wanted that dark energy. I've never wanted to go to that garbage, you know, to me, that is just like, no. And so when I saw this kind of freaked me out and I thought, oh, (laughs) no, um, I, I have to stop this for a minute. Like, I didn't even know if I wanted to pursue it. I thought I thought this is going down a very dark rabbit hole. And maybe I don't want to find this out, you know? And like, maybe, maybe she's not the literary hero, I thought. (laughs) And I went to bed that night. And as I was just drifting off into sleep, you know, that, that Mm in-between place where you're, you're not asleep, you're not awake.
4: Hypnagogic images. Exactly. (laughs) The place
3: of, of meditation and everything. And I heard audibly I heard and in her voice, which I know so well because I've listened to so many recordings, um, I heard her say, move through. Wow. And I was like, whoa. That's incredible. And it, and it scared me a little. I mean, it scared me awake. And I I knew then, I said, okay, I'll just go to the next poem. Uh And what I realized, as soon as I went to the next, first of all, the next poem, Ariel is in alignment with the temperance card. Mm -hmm. And the next poem is the devil. And she she was setting it up. She was setting up the devil card because that was the place. And Ariel is also if you read my my decoding she wrote it about the bombings of hiroshima and nagasaki Mm. and you know and and the terrible nature of all of this so of course it was awful you know with the peeling off of the skin and you know it's all in you know um the red eye is the flag of japan that she closes out you know um into the red eye the cauldron of mourning you know and um Oh my goodness. Uh, it's it's really about the whole bombing of Japan. Huh. And and it I just to tell you I I sort of get chills again. Um it's an incredible poem. Huh. And and so she was just setting up the devil card and beginning the terror which kind of ends with the tower which yeah. follows the devil. And uh you know and it is a it is a story of self-actualization or the hero's journey, as mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell calls it, the, the whole major arcana is. And so we have this dark night of the soul and this, you know, the kind of terrible things that we succumb to that can destroy us. And and um, it just fits. Yeah. So, oh,
1: yeah, Julia, I, you, yeah. uh, you you mentioned Ella, uh, Alistair C- Crowley and the, some of this dark s- stuff that you didn't want to get involved in. But a lot of people. Think the tarot is something dark?
3: Yes. Yeah, and and so well, yeah,
2: tell yeah, to, the story, to, Trish. Okay, well, well <laughs> for a while um, we have a neighbor who's a twin, and for uh-huh. a while her twin and her her husband and and son were living with them, and so the 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 twin said to me, Trish, can you do my tarot cards and see if you know everything's going to work out and if we're going to be able to get our house here? So I went over to our neighbor's house and I had my tarot deck. <laughs> her husband flipped out. Oh, no, those are evil, Trish. You can't bring those in my
3: house. And I thought, oh, my yeah. God. You know, People it was like, think it's like a Ouija board. They yeah, think yeah. we're conjuring spirits. They think we're inviting, you know, all kinds of evil elements. And, I mean, I said, to, so, I said
2: I, well, I said to Kevin, I said, Kevin, these are Jungian archetypes. I said, do you know who Jung is? <laughs> well, right. no. Not oh, really. Okay,
3: right. I rest yeah. my case.
4: Yeah. Uh, and that, well, I think I,
0: I think I have to interject real quick. I think okay. a lot of I think a lot of people uh when they hear Al- Alistair Crowley, Crowley. Um, they that Crowley they think of Led Zeppelin and Oh, sure,
3: yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah.
3: Right. So um true. yeah, so so I hope that this my my latest book Tarot Life Lessons I hope that that is going to help change some of this. Of course, people who are afraid of tarot probably aren't going to read my book, honestly. Yeah. But but it, you know, I'm showing. First of all, I'm showing who I am, and that I come from the Episcopal Church, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that I um, I am about love and light. And I even have one specific story where um, I was working. Uh, it's in alignment with the star card, and I was working the St. Louis Renaissance Fair for um, for five or six years. I was their regular tarot card reader, and I would get all kinds of these people who were very into sort of the dark side uh-huh. who had um, an expectation that I would be as well, you know? And so um, I talked, uh, tell a story of these two boys who are very gothy, you know, who kind of come into my tent and they're thinking Satanism is so cool. And, and, <laughs> um, and I just talk about how, how I handle that, but I'm really not at all um, into that. Mm-hmm. and, you'll see if, as you read the stories and tarot life lessons, that there is no conjuring, there is no possession. Um, I do believe I'm, I'm channeling spirit. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and before I read for people, I do a quick little prayer or meditation and I, I ask God, you know, I, I call it God, you know, some people <laughs> or, or Holy spirit to, to give me the words, to be the gift, that you need you know in this time and so it's really important to me that people understand that that i am in the light um and that this isn't you know spooky uh there's no spells there's no curses i i get a lot of people who sometimes want me to do spells and curses uh, and i say go somewhere else yeah. um while I you know people will joke and call me a witch and I even have a t-shirt that says witch but but I'm not even really of that camp and i I have friends who consider themselves to be pagans or witches and that's all good you know but but for me um when you're in source when you're connected with the god energy mm-hmm. um you have great power and I, I don't believe that I need to do spells I, I i do clearings sometimes you know if people ask me if they have you know some uncomfortable energy and and i'll, I'll clear uh, or i'll bless a space but but i'm not really in that department i don't knock it but it isn't what i do i can how see many... how academia
2: might might not know how to deal with you
3: <laughs> yeah oh
1: for sure <laughs> how, uh, julia how many uh, tarot decks do you have and which one is your favorite
3: Oh golly! I don't even know how many I have. I I <laughs> yeah. don't know. Um, yeah. it's in the hundreds for oh, sure. Oh really? Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. More than me. Um, I mean,
4: yeah. I've been
3: <laughs> I've been collecting for, you know, at least twenty five yes. years. Yeah. At least.
4: Yeah. Um,
3: I have to say that I continually go back to the Universal uh, weight and or Rider weight. Um, my very favorite. You know, this is just so good for symbolism it's really good to explain to my clients like why a card means something and they can actually see it in the pictures um i think it's it's just very easy to understand and i i tell all beginning tarot card readers begin with this deck because this is the one or anything rider weight based Mm -hmm. for sure um my very favorite deck is by robert place and it's the alchemical tarot deck um, I specifically like one called the revised edition, um, which he doesn't make anymore. And it's pretty darn expensive to find one new or new, um, on Amazon. I mean, it gets well into the like three, $400 wow. to find one new. <laughs> um, but I still have my old ones, although they're, they're pretty used. So I don't, I don't use them all the time, but I just love that deck for me. That one is just so full of magic. And I've, just have really good, good readings with it. Uh, but time and time again, this is the one I go mm-hmm. to for my day to day stuff. And and you can replace this easily. So as they get worn out, you know, no problem. Get another mm-hmm. one for twenty bucks.
1: <laughs> so you, now, you, do you? Go ahead, Trish.
3: Well, i was just going to ask you: Do you read for yourself? Oh, it depends. Uh, if uh, if I can be open, if I can be non, you know. Not Uh biased about something. You know, if I am not really married to one answer or another, right, but or another, but if I have a question that I'm you know, that's very important to me. I probably won't read for myself because I'm too attached. Uh Yeah. I'm too attached to how it's supposed to go. Uh, Same thing with my loved ones. Mm. Uh, You know, if, if my son who, who has toured the world in a band, if he says to me, will I be safe on this trip to Europe? Well, I care about that. (laughs) And all I want to see is safe, you know? Mm. Um, But if he says, should I go to Amsterdam or should I go to, you know, uh, Germany? I I'm not necessarily attached to one yeah. or the other, uh, you know, depending on world politics and okay. <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> that, that can make a difference, I suppose. But, um, but yeah. So, you know, I just think, um, it's, it's about, can I be blank? I, I, prefer to read for perfect strangers mm-hmm. because i'm always going i know nothing about you and i have Bye. no attachments and uh and that just seems to be The best all around, like, you know, usually that's how I get my regular clients because they always go, oh, my gosh, you know, and I've had people tell me that they get more out of one session with me than they do a year of therapy because it's just (laughs) right there and they can see it, too, you know. And so as long as we're doing a reading either in person or on video, and I also I do lots of phone readings as well. But but I like it when they can see the cards, because then I can hold a card up and explain right. to you and you can really and you might even Trish, you might even see something in that picture that relates to you that I don't get. Right, you know? right. And so sometimes we're reading it together, um, which can be a real magical uh-huh. experience. Yeah. Why do you That's use cool.
1: the reversed uh, meanings in the when, when the cards? Oh,
3: to, to me, it's just um, a wasted you know, load of meanings to not read reversals. I, I, I know a lot of people don't, um, I learned with reversals and it's, it's so much more accurate. You know, if I, I know some people say, oh, every card has dignities, you know, I'm just going to pull one from my deck. So I've, I've strength here. Right. Uh And, and if I say, um, you know i could say well strength means of course having strength and overcoming right. and uh you know but in reverse it means you're doubting your strength you may fear you lack the strength now i do always say no one gets the strength card unless they're very strong but they but in reverse you might not be believing uh-huh. in that strength you know and so i just think it adds more context and if I'm telling someone how strong they are and it's a place where they're really feeling weak, you know, they might reject that reading altogether.
2: Hmm, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: You know, uh, the, one of the uh, people that you write about the woman who uh, never found love and who is very reserved and didn't really say anything to you. I thought of her as like, Uh, you never you never said what her job was or anything but i see her as like somebody's boss and the worst boss in the world i don't know why (laughs) that's 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 what came up yeah
3: (laughs) yeah um i I think i do touch base early in the story she was a she was a psychologist or a a psychotherapist that's right Yeah. yeah that's right i think it is in there because i and i remember at the end of the story thinking oh i'd hate to be one of her clients I wrote that right. too. Yeah, All right. but be um she was tough yeah she's in, she is not i had one other woman in my history who i did not write about in this book who also told me she was totally enlightened and uh you yeah. know and like i said in the book i i call bullshit yeah, <laughs> i right. say that on your program he was a psychologist
1: too right <laughs> I think she was a psychologist. Um,
3: the 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 one yeah the one that you're referring to was a psychologist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um but uh, the very difficult woman at the Christmas party. Yeah, uh-huh. we had kind of a showdown and and you know and that's the other thing about tarot life lessons is I I hope that I have conveyed how human I am and that I'm not sitting on a mountaintop right. get, you know be, being your guru um telling you all of the secrets of humanity. I am in the trenches, feeling insecure, feeling pulled into drama, needing to have boundaries <laughs> all of that. And, and so yeah, I wanted, I wanted I wrote it to be real. and and as mm-hmm. I said, I mean they started as as my journal entries. so um so it was initially just for me when I began this book.
1: I think one of the other interesting ones, uh, you had a surprising story where the person you're actually reading was dead. Uh,
2: oh yeah. They, I read that one. That was yeah, interesting.
1: And uh, yeah. I really felt by the end of that, that the person who brought you that story was in that car when he was killed.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of felt that too, which <laughs> I, I said, I hoped it was not true. And I think I asked him, you know, in the story and he said like, no, 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 no. But um, that was my feeling as well. And. And, uh, and I think he had some guilt and, uh, and it all came out, of course. And it's the, it's the kind of story that, you know, when I get information like this, and, and you'll see, I, I had the quandary of, do I go to the police, you know, huh, the, yeah, to report this right. crime? Well, what am I gonna say? I saw it in the tarot cards. Yeah, right. I don't know this, I don't know this person's last name. I don't know where this happened. I don't know when this happened. <laughs> they know, show you in the door. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'd be like, Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. goodbye. Um, Thank you. But but uh, but yeah, it it was a pretty interesting story. And um, and people have told me, having read it. Um, that they've heard versions of that story that the sort of switched the drivers in a bad accident huh. that it's right. not it's not an uncommon thing so um yeah, kinda, kinda yeah. kind of but, kind of creepy but
4: spooky yeah yeah.
1: I think the police could find out who owned the car, but then they could say, well, he was the one who wasn't drunk. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So he was the uh, designated driver. driver.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's terribly sad for the mother. (laughs) And that's how it came out, of course, in the story, was the mother was grieving that she had had this lie told to her about Mm -hmm. her son. and uh and he died with her believing that so um yeah interesting stuff Hmm. and this is all of course just very human you know the human experience and our our fear of getting in trouble so we lie and yeah julia Mm -hmm. um how do you think uh, i'm going back to plath for a minute plath Uh compares to anne sexton uh-huh. I mean, well they were we they were sure friends. Yeah, I know they were. Yeah. They they were good friends. And uh Sexton to me I I like some of her work, but uh she's harder. Uh Plath was a little softer somehow. Yeah, that's true. Um Sexton is raw. <laughs> and and while I have not studied Sexton on the well, I haven't studied anybody with the depth that I've studied uh-huh. Plath, honestly, um, but I don't believe that Sexton had all of the all of the layers of meaning tucked into her work the way Plath did. No, she was pretty you know, blatant. I mean, yeah, yeah. books are blatant. <laughs> oh sure and they were com- they were both called Plath and Sexton uh. were both called confessional poets right um and and Ted Hughes always said Plath was not a confessional poet but everyone and, you know in, in fact he said um in fact she was a mystical poet of the mm-hmm. highest order that's how I open up that quote is how I open up my book The Occult Sylvia Plath uh-huh. and um and so and I believe Ted Hughes and um you know I think that Anne Sexton indeed was a confessional poet Uh and she she was was like, this is me and this is raw. And some of it is ugly. And let's talk about me hating my children and me hating my mother. And let's talk about (laughs) menstruation and like, you know, and all kinds of really uncomfortable subjects for sixties and Mm seventies. But, um, but yeah, uh, you know, she was good (laughs) and she was powerful and uh, and I like some of her poems more than others, uh-huh. but uh, but she to me she w- was much more raw and did not have the genius of this layered meaning that Sylvia. Yeah, she Plath wasn't had. mystical. I don't think at all. Right, right. Although, Although she did inspire <laughs> Sylvia. There's yeah. a few poems Plath wrote, as I believe, kind of a tribute to uh-huh. Anne Sexton.
2: So yeah. Well, also Sexton had a weird synchronicity. She wrote the death. The Death Notebooks was the last book she wrote before she committed suicide. So mm-hmm. it was almost yeah. like a pre, precognitive thing.
3: Yeah, setting herself up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. yeah, she was jealous that Sylvia died before she did. Yeah. She she wrote uh, an essay about it called uh, "The Barfly Ought to Sing." Yeah, I remember. And she that. talked about yeah how they used to sit in the in the Ritz-Carlton in Boston and have their three martini lunches yeah. <laughs> and, uh and, and, and muse about their suicides, <laughs> both their, their past attempts and their futures and their, yeah. And, um, and she was, she was jealous that Pleff did it mm. first. Yeah. Well, which is pretty older. sick. <laughs> yeah, is L- sick. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, uh, Both do, do, very beautiful.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Julia, how do you deal with, uh, readings that if that the cards really create <laughs> something disturbing i mean how, how do you yeah,
4: yeah. you don't know um, these
1: people and uh you're just telling them you know that you're seeing things that do not look good at all
3: right so what i always tell everybody uh everybody knew is that i'm showing you what you already know from a higher subconscious level and i'm mirroring it back to you mm-hmm. i'm also reading about what has not happened yet might not happen if you change right. your energy if you change your direction. So I always emphasize that if we see something coming up that you don't like, you are not doomed. You know, this is not going to be a foregone, it has to happen this way and there's no way out. Um with a heads up, you know, tarot is just showing you where you're going. Right. So, you know, Rob if I Put some cards down for you that says you're going to have a terrible accident uh, because you're careless in some way, you know, um, and it's going to happen within six months. Well, you'd best bet that that's not the <laughs> time to get on a ladder without anybody around or to drive buzzed or <laughs> something like that, yeah, you know, yeah. and you take precaution. Well, it's yeah. about free will. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, your choices.
1: Um, yeah. Do, uh, outside of the trail, do you see symbols in your life that you pay attention to uh, with animals or? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. All the time. All yeah. the time.
3: If I'm, you know, if I like I'm traveling right now and uh, if I am, you know, maybe I'll see a sign from home or a sign that, you know, somebody relates to me and so, you know, <laughs> how can I explain this? You know, I, I tell my clients, um, it's not an accident if you're thinking about someone right. and a song comes on the radio that says the exact right things or or you see, yeah, you see someone's yeah. name on a street sign or on a license plate or a, or a billboard as you go by, you know, I, I, I take all of that information in and go, okay, you know, mm-hmm. I'm connected or, you know, or they're reaching out to me or, or I need to pay attention to uh-huh. this or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also pay attention to my dreams, of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I just had an experience yesterday that I've been kind of mulling over. I was uh, riding my bike on an off-road trail (laughs) and uh, I go around the corner and suddenly there's a rattlesnake laying right across the trail and I swerve around and I, but I stop because I, uh, I want to take a picture of it and uh, I do so and uh but i'm staying like the, it, he's all wound up and he's like in the attack mode i'm staying like six five six feet away from him and then uh i decided i better get out of here so i get on my bike and it lunges at me
4: you know, Ooh. <laughs>
1: right to the back of the bike and you know i keep going and i look back
4: <laughs> um, i think
1: maybe you that, should
3: have
2: run it over
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well if i would have run it over it might have yeah, yeah. might
3: have got your shin. Might have yeah. got
1: me. Yeah. So, yeah. um I don't know what that means. Can you pull a card on that to see what it might uh... <laughs> Yeah.
3: Yeah, let's take a look. I mean, yeah. I have my ideas just listening, okay. but yeah. let's yes. pull a card on that. And, yeah. That's I mean, there one. is oh. not a rattlesnake card. There might be in the alchemical deck. <laughs> okay. Um so I have the star in reverse for this. Oh, interesting. Um yeah, so you know, the star card well, first of all, it is very much a nature card, mm-hmm. you know, you she is out in nature, out in the outdoors. <laughs> yeah. uh, in reverse, I, you know, I would say it's probably a symbol for you to sort of mind your territory
4: mm-hmm. or his
3: territory yeah. <laughs> in this case. Um you know, it could it could be that that mutual respect. It could be that there's something going on in your life right now where uh where, you know, let's let's not be careless. Let's not um let's not step out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Let's, uh, let's not go too fast. You know, there's a, there's a symbol right there. Had you been going faster, Rob, on your bike, you, you would have either run over that snake or that snake would have bitten you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you were, uh, aware enough to, to stop aware enough of your surroundings, was aware enough to slow down around that corner or or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I would say this is probably about awareness and boundaries, and uh, and not not blasting through something too quickly where mm. you could make a fatal error. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But uh, the snake also has another meaning, uh, especially among Na- Native American uh lore uh to uh, relate it to wisdom as
4: well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well the snake is a, is a very alchemical so? <laughs> yeah yeah i know yeah, that's I know, that's, <laughs> that's
3: kind of what i was thinking that the snakes a very alchemical symbol <laughs> and and non-rattlesnakes you know like the ouroboros is right. either a snake eating its own tail or two right. snakes eating yeah. their own tail And um, but the rattlesnake is different because the rattlesnake is more of a warning. You know, that rattle is a built-in warning. Yeah. He was rattling. Yeah. So, I mean, just symbolically to me, He's saying back off. Yeah. Slow down. Yeah. Get out of my turf. You know? Right, yeah. And um, and that's just something to apply to your life right now. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe it's saying you're charging ahead just a little too fast, Rob. Maybe hmm. you need to sort of slow down. Um, you know, maybe you were getting your warning in that snake. Hmm,
1: yeah. Hmm, yeah, he was not a friend at all. I mean, <laughs> was... <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you. That was interesting.
3: I'm glad yeah. you didn't run over them. <laughs> yeah. I am, too. I am, too. Yeah. You know, they are to be respected. And yeah. uh, and, and they're pretty cool animals, as long as you're not too close to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, you know, before you went out on that bike ride, and I said, be careful. Right. I always worry about Rob
2: being out in the woods. So uh-huh. I had just finished reading something that had come up on my phone about what to do in Florida if you're stung by if you're bitten by a snake or really? a rattlesnake oh, yeah. or some other type of you know snake, oh, it might I survive. didn't know Florida
3: had rattlesnakes. Oh, we so got they,
2: all they, kinds they, of critters here. Okay, so, interesting. Water, water moccasins are <laughs> yeah, more water common. Moxins. Yeah, water moccasins, and I've, I've seen uh-huh. them. Yeah, yeah.
4: Huh.
3: Yeah, I tend to think of rattlesnakes just out west. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. I don't know about that, but yeah, they're. I guess they, they have them here. Uh, so another question, how does uh, Taroa help one to find solutions to personal, spiritual, or professional challenges? That's kind of a broad well,
3: question. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, so people ask me questions. I mean, sometimes they'll just say uh let's put down cards to just see what you see you know sort of a general reading Mm -hmm. and um and sometimes those things will come up I may see the lovers I may see conflict I may see work challenges and struggles I mean you know there's there are cards for everything Mm -hmm. so the the tarot is broken into the major arcana and the minor arcana there's 78 cards total and there are 22 major arcana cards which is 0 to 21 and and those major arcana cards are are those big life events so that's when Babies are being born, we have mother cards, we have father cards, we have lover cards, we have, you know, the wheel of fortune and sudden blessings, and we have catastrophe, and we have the devil with sensual pleasure, and we have, you know, just everything in between yeah. we have the elderly person, we have the hanged man, we have death. And, um, and so all of these events come through all of our lives all the time. And we get mixes of those. And then the minor arcana's are the smaller day-to-day things. And so that's where we are going to see the, Oh yeah, I'm struggling with work right now. Uh Or, uh, or I've got some money situation that I'm, I'm really afraid of this economy. And am I ever going to be able to retire? You know, I get questions like this all the time. And so when I'm reading the cards, um, of course we're mixing both arcanas in the deck and they shuffle and and so and how the cards turn up and where they fall in my in my layout it's all going to direct me on how to handle um either their specific question how to answer that or how to talk about a subject so some people don't really want a specific question. They may just say, tell me about love or tell me about money or tell me about the direction of my career, which is different from money usually. And then other people are more direct and they'll say, you know, I've got this big event coming up and can you see how that's going to go? Or I'm having this conflict with my sibling and can you see what they're thinking about? You know, and um, and I have had instances, um, as you brought up in, in my book, where I've read for people who have passed and. Um, i I always stress that I never set out to call myself a medium, uh-huh. although I think we can do a little of that with the tarot cards. And I had enough people who wanted me to look at people who have passed on to, you know, that now I feel pretty comfortable in maybe it's not a back and forth conversation, but maybe I can say, Um, maybe I can give you peace about, you know, is your person on the other side in Uh, a comfortable place and, or, you know, answer your question. you Did they die in a lot of agony or did they, you know, are they at peace now? Um, Anything like that?
2: I have a question. Um, My sister died suddenly on the eve of my birthday in June and
4: this past June.
2: Yeah. And she was younger than me. So my question is, Why did she choose this time to go? Can you answer something like that? I mean, she was at a pinnacle of her life. Great Mm -hmm. marriage. Her kids are happy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Would you like me to look at that? Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Um, Can you tell me your sister's first name? Mary. Mary. Okay. I'm just going to kind of tune in for a second here. Thank you. To look at Mary. And why she chose when she did to go. Okay.
4: All right.
3: okay. So this is interesting because we start with the five of cups okay and the five of cups, you know, I think the picture again, the rider weight is so perfect. so he it's is creepy. crying, yeah, he's crying over three spilled cups. two behind him were just are just fine here. Mm. So she is or was aware that some things were going wrong and I just see her like, I don't want everything to go wrong.
2: (laughs) Interesting. That that, that, that sounds just like her.
3: (laughs) So I do have temperance in reverse, which does tell me she had something wrong with her health. I mean, clearly because she went, Uh right? Something was wrong here. So temperance is about balance and flow and moderation, but upside down, she was out of balance or out of flow. So the irony here
2: is that she was remarkably healthy. You know, two days before she died, she took an 18-mile bike ride with her husband. Mm-hmm. And you how know, did so she die? How did she die? Of She died of strep.
3: And they couldn't Interesting. find yeah, a source ve- of it.
2: Very fast. Well, like very three fast. Days, was
3: 48 was hours.
4: Down. Yeah. It was well,
3: what I would say about that, I think on a higher level, she knew this was in her. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, and it was enough to throw her out of balance, clearly. Yeah. Um, here's what I see. I see page of pentacles, which I, I read the pages often as siblings, because mm. she's remembering you, Trish, as a child, as her right. as her, her sister, maybe best friends. Um, and pentacles, and, and this is, of course, positive and mm. reaching out. And pentacles are sort of going forward in life. So as her center card, I am just seeing Mary saying, you're great. Go okay. forward. You have more to do than me. But oh. there was something here with the hanged man, she did not wanna be stuck. I think yeah. she did not wanna be stuck in this negative place. Yeah. She didn't want it to go more negative. There's something, and then the five of swords in reverse tells me she oh. was beaten. So this is about this is about being beaten, a, 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 a fight that you cannot win. Something about that strep oh. took her down. And it may have debilitated her in a way that, had she survived it, she may have suffered that, way that's worse. That's what I thought. She that was yeah. my mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So I,
2: I thought maybe she saw what the options were, and they weren't good. Yeah,
3: I think so. And mm-hmm. and I think on a higher level of consciousness, she she had a soul contract that she said, "I'm done." And she said, okay. "I I've attained the things I wanted. I attained a good marriage. I had a happy life." Um, she didn't want to wreck that. <laughs>
4: yeah, that sounds just like she, her.
3: She didn't want to go in decline. She wanted to go out on a good note. She um, also wanted she, to go fast. <laughs> and she did. And she had yeah. a sister who loved her. And so she's reaching out to you here saying, Go on, yeah. you do more. <laughs> You've got more than me ahead. You know? So, you know, well, you'll see you. her on that the fits. other side. Good. <laughs> really good. Fits. I'm glad. It. It. I'm glad. You bet. You bet. Yeah. I'm glad I can do that for you.
4: Yeah. So,
1: Julia, in your, uh, your book, you uh, kind of surprise <laughs> me by writing a lot about the Kabbalah, too, or you make reference to the Kabbalah. And I kind of relate to the Kabbalah more to astrology than Tarot, but how do you see the two fitting together? So
3: Kabbalah is like the big umbrella over all of the um, sciences, the occult sciences. Mm-hmm. And so astrology, Tarot, even mythology, um. Even alchemy, it's all numerology. part of Kabbalah, numerology, yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. all part of Kabbalah. So Kabbalah is the system that all of these are based upon. Mm-hmm. They all sort of have the same structure within the big Kabbalistic system. And mm-hmm. I didn't know beans about Kabbalah until I started studying <laughs> plath. So mm-hmm. plath opened me up to all of that. And then I that's when I began to see the patterns and how oh. Oh, right. And and you know, the funny thing is, I had even read a book about it in my 20s, not understanding that I was getting a, a preview yeah. of Kabbalah. Um, Herman Hesse wrote who who wrote Siddhartha and Steppenwolf and some of the, mm-hmm. the famous novels. He wrote a book, a lesser-known book called Magister Ludai. Oh, I love which, that. Uh, book. Is,
4: some German, right, yeah. for the
3: glass bead game, right, yeah. and he talks about how there's this sort of magical formula, mm-hmm. and so any great work of art, you know, the Mona Lisa equals right. a Beethoven symphony, which equals a perfectly, full, you know, formed crystal, and, 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 you know, and it was mind-blowing for me, and maybe a little too heavy for me, honestly, in my 20s, but, but that idea stayed with me, and then of course, to learn more about Hess's mysticism mm. as I got older, and, and also a student of Carl Jung, by the yeah, way. So like- yeah, and Carl Jung knew it. And and I mean, even William Blake, um, he, he didn't know to call it Kabbalah, but he's he did his own tarot before tarot had right. reached England. And he had his own Kabbalistic system that he intuited, And it's all the same thing. It's that it's the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell speaks of. And it's all diagrammed in Kabbalah, in astrology, in mythology, in numerology. You know, it's so fascinating that this is the God system. It's how God structured the universe. And people have intuited it and they have observed it in the stars and they have seen it under the microscope and how the atoms are. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy that we have this pattern across all of life and that's Kabbalah. Mm. And so that's, that's what we're looking at through tarot. Tarot is a reflection of it. Um, Kabbalah calls it the faces of God Uh, in Hinduism. They call it the avatars Mm -hmm. of Krishna, you know? Uh, Yeah. So um, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. What about the origins of tarot? Uh, do you think one person actually started? How did How did that happen?
3: Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't think one person did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first tarot decks that we know of uh, showed up around the 14th century mm-hmm. in Italy, mm-hmm. and the lore goes, and I say lore because we can't prove it um but the lore is that the romani people used these cards as an encoded system to kind of smuggle mystical secrets around the world during the crusades because of course during the crusades catholicism was the only way and you would die if you were jewish or right. or romani or you know, any any other sort of you know pagan uh, belief. And so the story goes that all of these little symbols and and numeric systems and all of that it was put into the tarot. And so it's a sort of secret way that if if these cards were found, they could say, oh, it's just a game. Yeah, just just uh-huh. taroki, you know, or Tarok, as the as, as Plath called it. And there is a game that is played with these, and so that was part of the secret, and um, and so that's the story. And so they went all over Europe and and into the UK, and you know, before it was hmm. the UK, and and um, and you know, and just a, a way to smuggle mystical secrets uh-huh. around the world now. Now there are other stories that say that the ancient Egyptians wove the um, hermetic. You know, her- hermeticism mm-hmm. comes from Hermes, Hermes and Hermes Trismegistus. The the who who um channeled the uh, the emerald tablets and you know and gets into a lot of that alchemical stuff yeah yeah that's um, what
1: i was going to mention uh next to that mm-hmm. i had read it came, actually originated with the in the arab world and was it's it's Europe.
3: the story i think it's a further reach honestly <laughs> mm-hmm. um i think we're enchanted by the ancient egyptians Um, I think that the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn who constructed Uh this certainly consciously wove stuff in, but to say that, that tarot came from that, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn put that in on purpose because they loved the idea of alchemy and the Emerald (laughs) Tablets and Hermes and all that. And so our magician card in this deck is the God Hermes, um, but I don't think, you know, I would be skeptical to say it came from ancient mm-hmm. Egypt.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I think they mm-hmm. put ancient Egypt in it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's your th-
2: theory sounds a lot more credible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Wandering. It, but it's the same with the Kabbalah. But, you yeah. know, it supposedly came from that uh, same time that you're talking about, the uh, 14th century or so. But then there's... Studies that show that going way back to like the first, second Kabbalah,
3: yeah, Kabbalah came from ancient Jewish mysticism.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so
3: that actually is that actually is documented to be much older than the Tarot.
1: Okay, Um,
3: it may not have been widely known outside of Jewish mysticism, although the Catholics had their version. Which so so Jewish Kabbalah is spelled with a K. No. And Catholic Kabbalah is spelled with a C. Yeah. And there's a whole group of, of Catholic mystics and, and Christian mystics mm-hmm. who, you know, who ascribe to Kabbalah with a C. See, basically the same thing. Same Mm. system, just a different brand of it. And then when the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn came along, they spell it with a Q. And Mm. that's the Kabbalah (laughs) that I refer to all the time, because it's sort of the more modernized Kabbalah. And it's a synthesis of both the Jewish and the Catholic. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I must have missed that in my Catholic upbringing. <laughs>
4: <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, well,
3: <laughs> it's funny. I I was talking to a rabbi when I was studying it and and showing him the work, and I said, "God, you know, when I was married to my first husband, he was from a Jewish family and I had all this pressure to convert uh for my sons." And uh and I didn't do it and I told this rabbi I said, I kind of regret it because, you know, now that I know about Kabbalah and this, all this mysticism <laughs> and he goes, I got news for you. And he says, you would have gone to temple. There wouldn't have been any of this. mysticism." <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's funny, a very, yeah. it's a very elite kind of quiet group. <laughs> right. and so, yeah. So yeah. Jewish or not, although I would have learned Hebrew and Hebrew is yeah. such a mystical language with so much, you know, and you want to talk about, a letter embodying so much. And Plath knew this. And so to bring it back to Sylvia Plath, she has so many Jewish uh, references in her poems and she was attacked for that. People said, Oh, who are you? You know, this, this white bread, Boston girl, you know, with no Jewish background and you're identifying and associating yourself with the Jews. Well, that was about Kabbalah. That Mm. wasn't about her, you know, saying I'm Jewish, although she was wise enough to recognize, oh, there's a nice little double meaning there with, uh, you know, and I can I can make the Nazi imagery, you know, attack me and, you know, and play around with that. So she knew what she was doing on a Mm. lot of levels, but but people um, kind of attacked her for using that that Jewish uh, image. Mm. Now, you said that um,
2: your Plath book is coming out May of 2024. Uh huh. We yes. have to have you back on for that one. Oh, I'd I love to. I know. Be I've crazy. been talking about pleth
3: just as much yeah. as tarot here.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. That'd and we've reached you. the end of our our our, 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 dog. our golden retriever is up on his feet. He knows that <laughs> I he, saw he always. Him he always knows when it's uh <laughs> <laughs>
2: when it's time. Which means it's he, about, it's, he gets to go uh, to the park. This has been this, fascinating. Yeah, very very, oh, very quick you. hour just went by. And just thank like you that. for <laughs> doing what you did about my sister. It, it sure fits. Oh, you
3: bet. I'm I'm really glad to do that. Yeah. You know, and uh and uh and it was really a joy meeting both of you. Yeah, very tell, very fun tell, talking tell, to you. Tell people where they can find your books and locate yeah. you on the web. So, Tarot Life Lessons, Living Wisdom from the Major Arcana, it's available everywhere, all the major bookstores. Um, My previous books, I have three books on Plath. Uh, If they want to get the PDF of the out of print book, my first Mm -hmm. book, Six Stars Govern a Life Decoding Sylvia Plath, they can um, write me uh, at juliagordonbramer.com and I'll make it happen and I'll get you a copy of it. If you um, want to order, My I have two published books, Decoding Sylvia Platt's Lady Lazarus, uh, subtitled Freedom's Feminine Fire, and Decoding Sylvia Platt's Daddy. I I published two books on her most famous poems, Lady Lazarus Uh and Daddy, and I pull them apart and I show you those on her other poems, but I got sidetracked with projects that, as you know, that are coming up or, or just come out. So, um, so I'll get some more decoding books out eventually, but, but Tarot Life Lessons, you can get it now. Um, An audio book is coming soon, which I read in my own voice. Uh, I'm not sure of the exact date that the audio book will be out. It's a little bit later than, than the print book, which just came out November 7th. But um, I'm so excited because I know a lot of people prefer audiobooks and it was really fun to read and, and to do it. And um, and I will be also doing an audiobook for the occult Sylvia Plath. Oh great. So yeah, so a lot of us are too busy to sit down with paper these days. And um <laughs> it's true. so it's something to, to do in the car or when you're traveling or whatever. Yeah, or exercising <laughs> the things I like to do. Yeah. So thank well, you for having me. Well, thank you yeah, for coming you. on. This
2: was just terrific. Fun. Good. And
3: Good. Fun. I'm so cool. glad to talk, do you it. You me. We'll
2: talk
4: All right. to you and May.
3: Awesome. Talk to okay.
4: you next.
0: Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at TheMysticCast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay.